Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Echospective. Today, you just have me. So, I apologize ahead of time. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, this episode is very cool. <laughs> that sounds lame. This episode is super fantastic. That even sounds more lame. Um, this episode's great and it's beefy and it's going to be two parts. So before we prolong this anymore, let's just get started. Cue the intro. Okay. So like I said, this episode is super beef super cool man just come on my guy it's gonna be great all right so today we uh are talking to a good friend of mine a good fellow indeed i don't know why i'm saying that but hey it's late and i'm tired <laughs> anywho today we're talking to rick hitchcock uh, Rick is, uh, like I said, a good buddy of mine. Met him a few years ago, more than a few years ago now. Uh, seven, eight, nine, something like that. Uh, Rick's a great guy. He's a music nut, music nerd, has all sorts of stories. You're really going to enjoy this one. But also, Rick has a tie to one of the great... North Carolina-based bands, Weekend Excursion. So, without giving too much away, let's just go right to the interview. This week's episode is supported by Shades of Grey Painting, helping customers realize their dreams since 2006. Is that too much to ask for a paint company? We don't think so. Find them on the web at shadesofgraypainting.com. And remember, grey is spelled with an A because they're awesome. You could also call them direct, 336-580-1284. Shades of Grey Painting, your premier triad area painter. That's where to do it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, just let me know when we're going and all good. I'll, I'm going to take, take my gum out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We've been going, man. <laughs> hey, we're rolling, bro. Yeah, we're like halfway through this episode already. <laughs> so thanks for joining. Uh, See you next time. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> good good talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can uh we can go ahead and officially start. All good. <laughs> well, hey <laughs> hey Rick. Um thanks for joining us on this episode absolutely um, it's my pleasure thanks for having me yeah yeah hopefully this is uh the first of many we'll we'll see how this one goes yeah i'll sure. have my people call your people uh, sure sure <laughs> tons of those people right oh my gosh. <laughs> you know you know how they are of course <laughs> um so just wanted to have you on here to um share uh share your stories and we're going to start with the question that we always start with. And Rick, I would like you to take us back to your earliest musical memory where you heard a song or a band or whatever, and 
it made sense for you. Like it just clicked and you're like, Ooh, I like music, but I want to figure out why. Man. Uh, that's a great question, dude. Um, so when I was growing up, um, my dad, my, my dad was, uh, listened to just classical music, uh, just classic, just classical. Um, and my mom was uh like into motown she was into everything okay uh just i mean uh what we would call yacht rock now that yeah. was the soundtrack of my life like when i was growing up <laughs> <laughs> like this like uh uh today i was listening we were listening to the uh yacht rock station yeah and arthur's theme came oh, on from gosh. christopher cross yes and my daughter was just silent and i was i was kind of looking at a rearview mirror and she was just kind of looking outside and and uh the song ends and she said play that song again and i was like oh, yes dude man yes and something I, I is like, clicking yeah <laughs> emotions it's, it's are clicking. stirring <laughs> <laughs> um but i think the song a song that i think uh that really clicked. I remember like, uh, we were in my mom's Audi, uh, rust. It was a rust colored Audi. And I'm not talking about like rust. It was, <laughs> there was so much rust in the car. It was rust colored. <laughs> and we had to clarify. Driving, yeah. And we were driving down, uh, battleground Avenue. I'll never forget this. And the song of that year was, I love a rainy night by Eddie Rabbit. Okay, and it's got it's like uh, it's like I love the rainy night. I love the rain. it's like yeah, I mean it's yeah. got a, it's real catchy, and I was like, man, that's a that's cool. That's a good song, and it's I would groovy. just every, every time. And it's such a weird tune to, for me to say that, you know, <laughs> but it's just like kind of unexpected. It, it was a catchy song. It was. It was just um, there's something about that song that I thought was great. I always loved um, Billy Joel was like a huge thing for my brother and I. Okay, and so we're twins, so we like I don't know. We just really like the same stuff. Like um, it wasn't it wasn't until later till our you know our musical journeys kind of skewed. You uh-huh. know, we kind of went. I went this way. He went you know this way. And, and, uh, but man, uh, Billy Joel was huge for us. Um, that was my, that was my second show that I went to see in 1989 and I still have the tour shirt from it. Um, yeah, yeah. It was, it was like, you know, when we didn't start the fire came out. So I was like, oh my gosh, but I already had the double, the double cassette. Um, cause he came out with the greatest hits. Uh, uh-huh. And it was a double, it was a double album type thing. And man, I wore that thing out. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, if it was like Uptown Girl or like, um, you know, oh God, what's that song? Oh God, I can't remember. But anyway, there's, there's so many good, good hits on that one. Yeah. Um, it's, it's incredible. Piano Man, obviously all that stuff, but um, yeah. Those kinds of, yeah, Eddie Rabbit was, I Love a Rainy Night was that song for me, though. That kind of was like, man, this is, it's got something to it. I don't know. It was a, but it was a massive song that year for whatever reason. Yeah. 
<laughs> it was a sketchy. That's, that's funny. <laughs> um, so uh, where did you go? Where did music take you from there? Like, wh- where did your uh, likes and dislikes land? Um, yep. Yeah. Another good question. Um, like, I didn't. Okay, so I really, I would, after that, you know, listen to my mom's, like I said, it's basically yacht rock. Yeah. That's what I grew up with. So, like, Christopher Cross, Steely Dan. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Steely Dan. Uh, but my, my, you know, my sister's, I have a sister who's four years older than I am. So she was into James Taylor, Fleetwood Mac. Um, okay. Uh, you know, she got into, uh, I mean, she was into Dave Matthews. Like, she saw Dave Matthews in college, like, at her school. Yeah. I was I was like, <laughs> what? And I'm like, what is this, you know? Um, but they had a lot of, they had some, they had those songs that were made it on that first record. But, like, man, that, that, the music I was listening to was what came out of my mom's car what was in my sister's room and then kind of a hodgepodge. But my friends, I only had a two friends that were really into music uh-huh. to be honest. Yeah. Um, and, but they were the ones who were like, they had older brothers. You know what right. I mean? That like, yeah. they were like, Hey man, we just got the, we just got appetite for destruction, right. baby. I'm like, I got to listen to this, dude. Check out and, some winger, man. Dude. <laughs> so one of my buddies, uh, one, of, one of my buddy's brothers had a, his best friend is a, just an 80s hair metal freak. Uh-huh. Finderella, winger, all the greats. Yeah. And so he, he showed me the, look what the cat dragged in, uh, you know, record LP. And I'm like, who yeah. are these girls? <laughs> because they're so, but I'm like, Oh, those are dudes. Like, what is this? <laughs> what is happening right now? What, dude, I'm like, I have never in my life seen this. And, yeah. um, but man, they, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I listened to appetite for destruction and it blew my mind. Like it's so easy um obviously welcome to the jungle because i heard Uh that song actually i heard welcome to the jungle the first time when i saw lean on me right yeah i think that's true Um, because it's it's in it's in the intro uh when he gets into the school you know that just blows the roof off and you're like yeah yeah, exactly exactly and i'm just like man so those those records so i will say this though when i heard um Smells like Teen Spirit for the first time. Uh-huh. Uh, I was on a bus. Uh, I played basketball in high school or at the middle school in high school. And I was on a middle school. I was in eighth grade. Um, so this would have been 93. No, what am I talking about? 91. Okay. 91, 92, something like that. Whenever that, whenever, you know, um, Nevermind came out. Yeah. So, we and cassettes were the deal. So I had my Walkman and I was listening to like, <laughs> I don't know, uh, like an MC hammer, like right. CD, uh, like a tape single or something like that, you know, or uh-oh. whatever. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. 
<laughs> so I was listening to something and I'm like, this, this guy, our, our uh, point guard turns around and says, Hey man, he was a great above me. And he's like, you need to, you need to listen to this. Yeah. And he hands me the CD single to smells like Teen spirit. Mm-hmm. And I put it in the Walkman. And I'm not kidding when I say this. I had to have a guitar that weekend. Yeah. It made that much of a difference in my in my mind. I'm like, oh wow. I believe this it. This is completely different than anything that I've ever heard before. I don't know why. It it, it I, I guess it did it for a lot of people, you yeah. know. Um, but it completely blew my mind. Nirvana was that turning point where it was like, okay, things are different. I got to go out and get this makes me it makes you want to pick up a guitar and play it. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's the it, first time that it just completely blew my mind. Like you said, they're just that whole scene, the alternative grunge stuff like that. That was an invention. You know, nobody was doing that. It was right. It was kind of like hard rock for the people who liked it. It was. There was some melodic stuff for the people who didn't want to thrash all the like. There was just so sure. much stuff going on in th- those songs. Um, yeah. I was uh, I was interviewing uh, another friend of mine yesterday. Um, he, he's a real big music nerd, and we were just kind of going through some of the the classic bands and just talking about those songs and kind of looking at them differently now. And especially, right? you know, growing up back then, you didn't really know what these guys were going through. You know, oh. h- how many of these front oh. men have we lost? Like all of them? Oh, absolutely. Almost? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know? And yeah, you, it's, it's so, so sad, man. Back then with not having internet and all that kind of stuff and uh, not having information at your fingertip you, you oh, may wow. not have really understood the demons and the stuff that these guys were dealing with uh, you just absolutely. really like the song <laughs> but yeah yeah you, and you know man those that record rocked baby i mean it, it you yeah. know what i mean yeah for the, you're right for the guys who love to rock who loved uh who love guns who love you know guns and roses who loved yeah. uh those bands well they might love man, guns too yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> We're not discriminating here. Yeah, this yeah, this music yeah. is not for people who like guns, all right? <laughs> Just want to make that clear. Right, exactly. I mean, <laughs> come on. Um, but yeah, I mean, but but bands like Nirvana, bands like uh Stone Temple Pilots, very had all the right influences. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yep. So they all they to me the tone was of those records were was amazing. I mean, you had uh, Butch Vig doing the records. You had um, uh, Brendan O'Brien doing the Stone Temple Pilot stuff. And so, for I mean, those guys are. I mean, look at those. Those guys' bodies of work, yeah. and it's it's uh, it's unbelievable. Those records sounded so good. I mean, they're incredible. That's and, to me. Those those records just just hit hard, baby. Well, and it, it, it's raw, you know. It's it is. It, it wasn't over processed and perfect. Like you, you felt the emotion that these the these guys were 
trying to portray. Think about it. You're talking. You're talking about um, technology and all that stuff. Man, those things were on tape. Yeah, that was yeah. on tape. <laughs> and I, you know, that just shows you how good of a musician, how good musician these guys were. Yeah, and it's unbelievable. It blows my mind. Like, how do you get a drum track like that? How do you get? <laughs> right. You know, how do you get? Um, well, how do you sing those songs? Oh yeah. Uh, that many, you know, you can only sing that song four times. You better get it right in four takes. Right. Because all we got is, you know, the guy's going to blow his voice out. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> But those records, yeah, those records did it for me. I mean, but mostly because those guys had all the right influences, the Zeppelins of the world, the Stones. Yeah, yeah. It just, it, the Beatles, obviously, uh, with melody and all of uh -huh. that, it, you know, it's so amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so you uh, you got a guitar. Then what happened? Okay, uh, it was taken <laughs> from me within two weeks by my best friend, <laughs> oh, and him because because he hadn't his birthday was rounding around uh, coming up in January. Uh huh. And he's like, "Hey, man, can I can I borrow your guitar?" And I didn't see it for like two weeks. <laughs> and he gave when he gave it back to me he got one for his birthday and he gave it he gave it back to me and he had already learned more songs than i knew on my guitar <laughs> and i was like man what the heck dude because he, he learned like tangerine on, from led zeppelin on it oh man and i was like dude that song is awesome dude yeah and yeah. he was like he was like yeah man He's like, measure in the summer's day. You know, I was like, I was like, God, man, this guy already, he's already better than I am at it. You jerk. Yeah, he was, uh, and, and so he, you know, he ended up being a guitar player. That's what he does for a living. So that's cool. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, so I, 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 my mom was like, we're going to go to a music barn. She gets me the guitar. And, you know, it's like, they try to get you to take lessons there. Right. Well, so I went to, I went to this, I went to, to take lessons. The guy, the guy was, I think his name was Mark. Um, the biggest stoner guy I've ever seen in my life. And I wanted to learn, I want to learn, you know, I want to learn, learn riffs, man. I want to learn the songs that I like. Right. And this guy's like, nah, man, we're going to learn, uh, you know, we're going to learn this, uh, uh, Crosby steals a Nash tune, and I was like, mm, "This is gonna, Great. this is gonna be Can't bad," wait. you know. And so he would he would go into like, uh, "There's something happening here." Like I'm like, uh -huh. "What?" Because he wanted to show me, you know, D and A and G. Yeah, and he's like, "You know, you really need foundation. to play. An, yeah, you need to play an A like this, and didn't do like the three you know, fingers going across those, uh -huh. those yeah. strings. He did it in a, in a weird way. He goes, because, you know, it's always easier to go to that G if you play the A like this. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I'm like, I can't do this. I want to learn. It's so easy riff right now. Or yeah. Mr. Brownstone. Right. That's what I want to know. I want to do those. Night and train. Come on, man. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, but, you know, I want to delay pedal, baby. So I can go. Ja, 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 ja. I want to be the edge. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was like, I, I can't do this. So I never took another lesson 
ever. I, I, took, yeah. I took two lessons from that guy and I was like, bye, done. <laughs> I've learned everything I need to know from you, clown. Absolutely. <laughs> the guy was the biggest smokestack I've, I've ever, <laughs> it, it was terrible. I mean, and that was when, you know, you, you can still smoke indoors back then. Mm-hmm. Dude. He was just like, he was just ripping heaters when he's teaching me, you know, it's so crazy. Oh, uh, <laughs> ridiculous. So, um, I'm sorry. I what was that question was, hard. <laughs> and then what happened? <laughs> well, I took and the then the cow was returned to its rightful owner. So that yeah. concludes our episode. <laughs> yeah. So th- for for some, that would have been uh, it. Maybe you know, right. maybe it, it, if it was a call of the parents, like, well, if you can't take lessons, then. We're just taking that thing back or whatever, but sure, sure. I, I guess that was uh, a challenge to you. Like, well, if I'm not going to learn from somebody, then yeah. I guess I'm just going to have to do it myself. I, I'm just going to have to do it myself, and I would just listen to records and yeah. play with it and play with them. That's all. Yeah. I, that's all. I, I I did the songs that I wanted to, and I just did it by ear. Yeah. And, but also, I had friends to play with because now my friend has a guitar. Yeah. And little did I know that he was networking with other guys at school to see Ooh. who was who was a guitar player who could play bass who could play drums yeah and they were they were getting a band going and i was like nice let's <laughs> I want go a piece of this <laughs> yeah well it's just like hey oh, that's awesome and so he met uh my best friend his name is jeff he met uh, he met it with this guy named Chris Grock, who was, we, yeah, we all went to high school together at Page High School. And, and Chris was a shredder, man. He liked Alex Slifeson and, oh, wow. you know, he was a big rush guy. Yeah. And, oh my gosh, Clapton. And, you know, he met, I was like, I saw his squire, like his first guitar. Uh huh. And he has, he has that, um, you know, the grimy skin, the real oily skin that just, you know, really destroys necks. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this guy, it was as black as the guitar was. Oh, the man. neck. And it wasn't Rosewood. <laughs> like he it is now. It, I'm, I'm not kidding. It was, he had such corrosive skin. He would have to change his strings like once a week because he was playing so much. And I was like, oh, I'll never be able to do that. I I just I don't know, man. I I um I can get around on a guitar pretty good, but not, I'm not like I, I'm a chord player. Like I don't uh-huh. I don't do um I'm not like you. I don't I don't do the solo shred and stuff. Uh, <laughs> I can like I can guys. barely do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so what was cool though is that I was now in a group, man. Yeah, and, and have so a community. It was man, and 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 actually, um, I didn't even know this at the time, but I had moved to a, another street, pretty close to where I was living, and um, one of the guys that I grew up next to was now a drummer, like oh. in a really popular local band, and I'm like, I didn't know he played drums. What the heck, you know? <laughs> and so. Yeah, this the band was called Athenaeum. Yeah. And you know, they got signed. They ended up getting signed right he gets signed right out of high school. Um he gets well he 
smartly, he applied to college and he was a really smart guy. And he got into Columbia University <laughs> in oh, New York. Wow. And very smart. And but he got signed to Atlantic. And he's like, well, I gotta go chase this dream, man. I mean, sure. you know. And so um then the band, I think they they put on another record, but by that time he'd already he'd already taken the college route. And um, you know, he he wound up not going out on their tour, their second album. But anyway. That's a long. That's another story. Ah, we're getting off on a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> totally um, fine. But 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 the group we were friends with that group, you know, and it was a community. And I can't, I can't tell you how many people I've been able to meet because of the life I ended up choosing, which was well early on in my life, uh, right through my twenties, right through I got, you know, um, yeah, off the road because I was on the, jumping around that group um of buddies um started a band and the band was called weekend excursion mm -hmm. and we ended up um they started in 1994 and we would play in our drummer's basement because you can't move the drums a lot you know right. so we're just <laughs> we play in his basement and his his parents couldn't have been cooler and so what we would do is we would have shows in the basement and those were our first shows like we never thought we would actually get gigs at yeah. a at a bar you know right. what i mean or right. someplace that would hold like have us play so um yes um we would just have gigs in the basement charge our friends five bucks um and just hang out and just play covers it was we wanted to do then those guys started writing songs and the songs were pretty good. And so we came out with a tape while we were in um, high school, uh, at the end of high school, and which was 1996. And then, yeah. And, and so they are, you know, our friends were the fan base. Yeah. And so what we would do is we would go from one, uh, we would, we started to, the band started to play clubs. And our friends would just come out in droves. And then once they hit college, they would play their fraternities and yeah. their clubs in, in, in their towns. And the word just spread. And so then we were, we were, you know, we're about. So like in college, we would schedule our classes Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh -huh. And then we would tour uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday. And do it all over That's again. So cool. And the problem was, the problem was, is I was, uh, they went to App, most of them. Uh huh. One went to Chapel Hill. I was, uh, and I'll, I'll tell you my role here in a second, but I was all the way in Greenville at East Carolina. Ooh. So I had to do so much driving. Yeah. We would have to like meet kind of like in the middle of where the gigs would be. And I just, we would, just jump in a van and yeah. we bought a little, we bought a little trailer uh, with show money and we would haul the gear around. So what I would, but, I, but my role, I was a player. Like I said, I mean, I was, I never, um, I, I love music a lot. I love guitar. I'm a guitar freak. I have them all over the house, but I'm not a, I'm not like a, I'm not like a, like a really skilled player at all. But the thing is, um, I like taking care of them, you know, like, um, you know, like like you, man. Like minor setups, 
pick up swap outs yeah yeah uh, you know changing guitar strings all that stuff i love doing yeah and so they knew um i was in business school <laughs> they were like hey man we don't have anybody to help us and you know um so i was dry so i helped advance the shows um i guitar tech all the gear i did all the gear um and also also a drum drum freak and you know vintage drums uh-huh we i just love um all those old wrappings like the sparkle kinds and the, right you know uh but i was i was just a, their only roadie and so but we just happened to be best friends still you know and um they we did it all the way through college like that and then once once everybody graduated or stopped going to college uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> we we decided to do it full time and that was in 2000 and you know we would take uh, so we were like hey where where are we gonna you know where are we gonna make our base because we didn't want to yeah. we, we didn't want to do it in greensboro we just wanted to be out of greensboro so the coolest place the, the, the the place where the scenes were were in the two biggest cities, which is Raleigh and Charlotte. Uh-huh. And, and Raleigh to us just felt better, you know. Yeah. And and, and Charlotte for us was just too big. We didn't want to. We didn't want to do it. Yeah. So um, so we made Raleigh our home. Uh, we moved to uh, a house in Cary, and everybody moved in together it was like a dang Man. fraternity house and it was amazing because <laughs> it's like the stuff the you thing. see on movies yeah you know, but here's like, the deal here's the this deal is really this happening is the part oh we and by the way we i mean it was one of the nicest neighborhoods it was it was just it was perfect yeah like the rent was twelve hundred dollars a month Jeez. and and it was a split level home so there was four bedrooms, all brick. Uh-huh. It had the biggest. It had a, a deck out on the on the top floor. It had a deck that overlooked the, the the wooded backyard, and downstairs is where two bedrooms were in a in a really big den, and with a fireplace. And that's where we rehearsed when we weren't on the road. Uh-huh. So right as that was happening, the band signed a management deal with. Um, uh, a guy who is uh, associated with um, Hooting the Blowfish. And wow. he was, he and the manager were best friends. And the manager for Hootie and the Blowfish is from Raleigh. Um, his name is Rusty Harmon. And this, uh, our, our manager's name was Mark Zeno. And he, um, he owns a management company called Cord, Cord Management out of uh, uh, Charlotte. And he, um, I mean, he, he's a promoter now, so he promotes big gigs and like Black Crows and stuff like that. He does a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, That's cool. Anyway, but so yeah, so we moved to the band house and then we just, man, this is what we're going to do. And we secured a booking agent at that time. We really, really were very serious about the business side of what we were doing. That's good. And because we were, you know, we saw bands that had to have other jobs and we were under the impression like man 
if you're doing another job, you can't put everything into the music. Right. You know what I mean? It's impossible. You just can't. Yeah. And you always have one foot out. That's how we thought about it. And man, we were just, it was like, we, so we were like, we told the booking agent, get us out. We want to leave. We want to leave Tuesday and get home Sunday. That's how, that's how we wanted to do it. Uh And so, you know, most of the time, so we, I think our guarantee at the time was like a thousand bucks, you know? And he goes, he goes, give me, he's like, give me a year. There would be a gig here or there. We would have a little bit higher guarantee, like, like fraternities with a really big budget or whatever. They had more room. And so we would, we were able to, you know, grow that, but you know, we, we, the, we were telling this booking agent, we're like, well, what can you, what do you see less like in a couple of years if we're really killing it? He's like, oh man, you guys will be at $6,000 a night. Easy. <laughs> um, and dude, I'm not even kidding you, man. Within a couple of years, we were knocking on that door. Mm. And because man, we would sell out, we sell out Ziggy's cat's cradle, Lincoln theater, all of these are 700 to 800 people a piece. Yeah. You know? And so it was, it was amazing. Like those shows, we would, we would spread them out nicely, you know, like mm-hmm. we would only do those big shows. Um, but each one of those, we would only do those like once a year. Yeah. And so, but they were really, really, so when we came around, it was really big. Um, and this is weekend excursion. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I, re- I remember all that going on. Yeah, man. I mean, we were being like, man, they're, uh, yeah. they're out there doing it. <laughs> we are, we were, man. And we, 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 I remember one year, this is just crazy. I mean, over 200 gigs a year, easy. And, you know, it didn't matter. We went all the way. Our, our kind of touring radius was, obviously up from Florida all the way up to New York. And then uh-huh. as far West as like, uh, so like Detroit all the way down to, um, like Mississippi, you wow. know, <laughs> and everywhere in between, like we, we would do, uh, one of our, um, one of the guitar players, Chris, Chris had, family in ohio so if we he's like hey we got this family reunion in ohio well hey man let's call up our booking agent let's see if we can get some gigs yeah up in ohio we spent we spent you know a week to 10 days up there wow in in the summer we we did a we did shows in have you ever heard of put in bay ohio uh i can't say that i have (laughs) okay so it's it's right on it's a it's a it's an island on like right in the Great Lakes, like okay. one of the Great Lakes, and <laughs> it is a beautiful place. Um, and I mean, we would play. It's it's called the um, oh my gosh, something something like the round the round room or uh, anyway, it, it, the place is you you play on top of a bar, okay? It's like the <laughs> one of the oldest bars in america it's crazy and that's cool but it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge party t- party place where you know all these boats kind of hook together and oh, all this okay. stuff you just kind of yeah. play like that it's great 
Um, so, we, I mean, put in Bay, we did the Euclid Tavern in Cleveland. Um, you know, Nirvana played there. And we were just like, oh my God, Nirvana played here. We've made it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, man, and we would get, we would try to trade shows with other bands that were really, uh, you know, kind of on the up and up from different uh-huh. states. Um, uh, man, one of our favorite bands was the Eccentrics um, um, from, uh, like Fairfax, uh, Virginia. Okay. Like, um, fighting gravity, um, was from Richmond. Um, you know, guy, and guys from South Carolina, Desiree's hammer was a, was a band from, um, uh, Spartanburg. Um, man, we had so much fun, um, touring with other bands. It's, there was a band from Gainesville, Florida called big sky who we, we would uh, tour with as well. It was amazing. That, that that was a you know once we secured the booking agent and we were in the management we were off to the races we thought because mm-hmm. you know it takes 10 years to become an overnight success that was what our manager always told us because we, yeah. we, we we dude, we would complain like like we are not getting anywhere with this. <laughs> we, right you would and we, you know who can complain about being in a van with your best friends yeah living in hotels um doing trying what you love. to make it doing playing music you know what i mean yeah um you know having a great time and you know all it takes is one blown tire and it's like all right uh, yeah. we're done this is ridiculous <laughs> how can anybody live like this this is ridiculous <laughs> uh anyway but um yeah i mean we rode that for until 2004 when the band broke up. We did, we did uh, four, five records, one live record, um, toured all over the place. We did 18 different countries. Um, we did a USO tour, two USO tours, um, in the summer of 2003. Um, one was. You know, we played for troops in um, uh, the stands is what they call it, you know, Afghanistan, Pakistan, uh-huh. Uzbek, yeah. Dubai, um, Qatar, those, 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 that region. And then, which was unbelievable. Dude. We played, I bet. we played July 4th in Kandahar, Afghanistan. Wow. And the guys, the guys, uh, tracers, like guys shooting the guns were, out of out of helicopters the the tracers were the fireworks unbelievable <laughs> legit fireworks so crazy and it was just it was just amazing it was amazing feeling um playing bulls on parade in front of those guys oh, man you know we were just you know we were just playing a bunch of covers yeah um which was it was amazing um but then um and then the next tour like i mean we were home for a week and then the next that next tour we we were in hawaii for 4 days um doing an air show that's horrible man that's right (laughs) so horrible i feel sorry for you (laughs) hawaii for four days nuts then we went to um south korea for a week um and then japan for like two weeks and it was unbelievable it was unbelievable man i mean i can't tell you i mean they they love to rock over there baby it's so fun <laughs> they do it's so great it's amazing um 
so you know that band i mean it i owe that owe them so much they're my you know they're still my best friends yeah and they still play you know they still play uh i mean we got we got a gig in february and a gig in march man and i still i still tech for them i still do a lot of that um and you know we do a lot of benefits and um do a lot of benefits and we do club shows as well but it's so fun man i mean it's just what a great little side hustle it's just the best yeah for sure best and they you know they still have a you know a ton of material that they haven't recorded yet and that's 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 one of the reasons why they're they want to get back and and play is because they've got a lot of songs they they're incredible writers um you know like i said two of them um one's a one's a uh in management uh music management and i mean two of the guys own still own studios one's a full-time guy a studio oh, guy man you know it's 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 unbelievable like my best friend jeff he's you know he's a full-time producer that's what he does that's um, so cool it is cool man i mean we're so blessed to have those relationships still and um so I will say this after after that band breaks up in 2004 which is gut-wrenching um I'm sure for me I mean that makes um, me sad well, I had nothing to do with it <laughs> <laughs> Well you know it's it's crazy because you know I met my wife you know uh-huh. um through that because she was loved that band so I married the groupie of the band Yeah so that was you know that was awesome and so <laughs> She's like, what <laughs> instrument do you play? I'm like, well, yeah. I, I'm like not um, I in run the, the band, business. but I'm in the band. You know, I run the business, lady. That's what I <laughs> <Right>. do. <laughs> hey, how about this? I handle all the money. That's okay? right. Everything goes through <laughs> me. Okay. That's right. These guys don't go. You want to talk unless... to them? You want to talk to them? Huh? <laughs> I'm your guy. Yeah, your guy. yeah. We can make that happen. Oh, yeah. You want your name <laughs> on the list next time? Yeah. <laughs> Say I hello to you. your mother for me. <laughs> yeah exactly um so after that after that band breaks up i uh our manager starts managing other bands and we're gonna stop right there folks we're just gonna leave it on this cliffhanger you'll have to come back next week to hear part two is rick's career in jeopardy will he ever manage Another band again. Well, probably so. But isn't that cool? Like, oh, just doing all that stuff. And as a fellow North Carolinian, um, just to, to hear stories about people from my state who, man, just went out there and did it. They just did it. And they were successful. And hopefully they had fun doing it. Rick sure sounded like he had fun uh, being a part of all that. And also be sure to go to weekendexcursion.com to keep up with the band's goings-ons right now. Uh, They have a show coming up in March, March 9th at the Rialto in Raleigh. General tickets are 20 bucks, people. 20 bones. Go support them, you know. And don't forget, if you want to visit our website, echospective.com that will help you keep up with all the goings-ons of the podcast 
We have all sorts of stuff out there. This is episode eight, I believe, if my math is correct. You can go to the website, check out our social media, check out the podcast, go to YouTube channel. You can check out the Buy Me a Coffee page. <clears throat> and um, hey, look, you don't have to support the show with your wallet. You can support the show with your ears and with your mouth. Uh, so you can listen to the show and then you can tell other people about the show. And that's free. And that's great because at the end of the day, we want you and your friends and your family and your neighbors to hear our sounds, our voices coming through their podcast apparatus. So until next week, this is Nathan. And on behalf of Marquise, thank you so much for listening. Echospective was recorded and produced in Mockingbird Studios. Brought to you by Marquise Burke and Nathan Sieg, and in part by their respective families. We thank you all so much for pushing us to strive for excellence. And we thank you, the listener. Your support means everything.